on April 20th, 2010, the Deepwater Horizon oil ring in the Gulf of Mexico exploded. And it resulted in a large, I guess, the largest spile of oil, which affected marine environment. And so due to the exposure to that and the injuries from the oil spill, the um, oceanic marine mammals are a focus for the conservation, the management, and the restoration. Hi, my name is uh, Eloise Framoui. I'm a bioacoustician, currently a postdoctoral research associate with the UCAR in Colorado in support of NOAA Fisheries. Um, and I'm currently working at the Southeast Fisheries Science Center in Miami in the US. Hey there, my name is Liz and you are listening to Below the Tide. Below the Tide is a podcast where I sit down with a marine expert every week and we go over their research, some of their areas of study, we go over some of their experiences that they've had in this field, and we break it down into a digestible way, something that's easy to understand whether you're in the science field or not, kind of just helping you find a place to learn about all different realms of marine science. This week, I am sitting down with Eloise, and this is part three of um, of the interview that I did with her. So there are episodes 16 and 17 that I would definitely recommend listening to first. It'll give you more of an intro into her research and who she is before you listen to this one. All of my episodes have resources that go along, so if you prefer to see some of the things that we're explaining or read definitions, you can find all of my resources on my Instagram and Twitter pages. The handle for both of those pages is at below the tide pod. So check those out, follow along, hit follow, leave reviews for the podcast. It would really mean a lot to me. And now I hope you grab a coffee and enjoy this episode. I really wanted to hear about the acoustic drone project. So, so some background for this um, this one, it's, um, so I spent some time in uh, Russia. I was working on a project um, doing some uh, real-time monitoring yeah, for mm-hmm. like uh, during a seismic survey because it was in an area where the uh, gray whales was going. And so we need to be sure that the uh, seismic survey was not impacting gray whales there. So I am... Um, I, I, one day I was, um, I went in the uh, field with the uh, photo ID team and they were using a drone to take some pictures and some videos of mother and calf gray whales. Um, mm-hmm. And I was looking at that and it gave me an idea and I was starting to think if we could use a double drone approach for better understanding the uh, acoustic behavior. Um, when I say acoustic behavior, I mean the uh, in which context an animal is going to produce a sound. Um, right. So I was thinking if we can have uh, one drone to record some videos of a behavior and another drone that could land on the water near to the animals and could record the sounds produced by the animals, it would help us to actually figure the acoustic behavior. Um, so I spoke to uh, a researcher um, Dr. Aaron Todd at the scripts, uh, 
and I spoke to him about this idea and actually he invited me to uh, test the concept during his uh, fieldwork at um, Baja California Sur in Mexico. Okay. So, so it was perfect, uh, perfect timing. So mm -hmm. after buying the drone, I borrowed some equipment to uh, Dr. Francis Juanes at UVIC. Um, so mm -hmm. he, uh, he lent me his um, hydrophones. And so I joined Aaron and his student, uh, Ludovic Tenorio, in Mexico in 2019. Um, and despite some uh, technical difficulties, uh, we mm -hmm. were able to uh, record some uh, video and sounds of several gray whales at the Laguna San Ignacio. Uh, Laguna San Ignacio is one of the breeding and calving grounds of the uh, Eastern North Pacific gray whale. Um, and right. so we actually demonstrated that the uh, double drone approach is working, it's feasible. Um. So you have one drone that's up in the air and it's looking down at the whale and it's recording like the physical behavior and then yeah. one drone will land on the water yeah that's right so the so we have that we call the visual drone so the, this drone was piloted by ludovic and i was piloting the acoustic drone so the acoustic drone i attach um i i put um, a rope um, uh, mm -hmm. two meter long uh, and i attach the hydrophone at the end of this rope um, and so the um, drone, when it lands on water, the hydrophone is two meters deep in the water, so it can okay. record the sounds. Oh, wow. And so what did you, did you find anything with the gray whales by using this method? Or was it more just showing that this method works and it should kind of be considered? Uh, both actually. So we demonstrated that this method works uh, and actually we also show that we were able to record more sounds using this method because we were near to the animals. Most of the time sounds are recorded by um, bottom mountain hydrophone. Uh, mm -hmm. So and because we were in uh, uh, breeding and calving grounds mother and calf seems to make like uh, some calls but quiet calls and those calls um, it's more difficult to record them on um, distant uh, hydrophones the one right. that are bottom mounted uh. so that's why using the, land, uh, the landing drone the uh, acoustic drone uh, it's easier to go near to the animals to record the sounds oh wow okay and gray whales are they they're migratory right so they they move around quite a bit yeah they go up to the alaska oh, okay right yeah your postdoc do you want to kind of talk about that research and what that what that looks like yeah for sure so for my current position i'm uh, using passive acoustics to study the density estimation of some cetacean species. So my research project is actually part of a large collaborative effort led by Dr. Melissa Soldevilla from NOAA. Mm -hmm. So the main objective is, I would say, to assess assessing long-term trends and uh, processes the driving variability in cetacean density density, sorry, through the Gulf of Mexico using the passive acoustic monitoring and also some habitat modeling. So for doing that, we are using a network of hydrophones to record the situations to the US and the Mexican waters in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, it's allow us to collect the information on their location and density through the year. 
And this project is actually important because we know that at least 20 species of oceanic cetaceans inhabit the Gulf of Mexico. And those species include the um, endangered uh, sperm whales, the newly named, I would say, rice whale, because before that it was the uh, bright, uh, Gulf of Mexico brightest whale, but now it's officially a new whale species. It's the rice whale. The rice whale. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, we have also some kojia. So kojia, it's the dwarf, dwarf and uh, pygmy sperm whales. Oh, yeah. We have several species of big whales and we have uh, numerous species of dolphins. And I, you probably already know, but um, on April 20th, 2010, the Deepwater Horizon oil ring in the Gulf of Mexico exploded. Um, Mm -hmm. And it resulted in a large, I guess, the largest spile uh, of oil, uh, which affected marine environment. And so due to the exposure to that and the injuries from the oil spill, the um, oceanic marine mammals are a focus for the conservation, the management, and the restoration. Mm -hmm. And they are also exposed to several other threats um, that include the commercial shipping, commercial fisheries and the energy development and exploration. So that's why it's important that we are studying, um, we are monitoring the, the different cetacean species here. And so all of those different whale species live in the Gulf of Mexico? Yes. Does it, that seems like a lot of them. Does it ever, does that cause issues between whales or they kind of just all coexist? No, they coexist. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think they have any issue between populations so, so, yeah. or cetacean species, I would say. No. Mm -hmm. no. And are you doing bioacoustics for this project? Yes, so, so I'm using the uh, passive acoustics. So, and oh, right. the passive acoustics allow me to um, estimate the density oh, of uh, I some see. cetacean species. So. Mm -hmm. And when you're using the acoustics, are you, you're able to differentiate between different whale species? Uh, some of them, not all mm -hmm. of them. <laughs> uh, 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 difficulties with uh, dolphin species. Huh? Oh it's, yeah. It's uh, difficult to, to distinguish um, dolphin species uh, using the sounds. Huh? So for now it's delphinid. Huh? Yeah. Or stenella, stenella SPP. Here <laughs> species of stenella. <laughs> And is it because dolphins are at a different frequency than whales that you're able to tell at least that they're not, it's not um, another type of cetacean, that it is a dolphin? Yeah, so just to let you know, in the Gulf of Mexico, we have only one mysticite, no? that is the rice whale. So it's a oh, baleen okay. whale. No? It's the only one. No? And interestingly, I would say I'm probably in the only part of the world without pinniped. So it was kind oh. <laughs> <laughs> like a pinniped specialist. It was kind of interesting to go there. Oh, that's crazy. But, uh, I didn't know uh, that there were no pinnipeds. No, you don't have pinnipeds in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, oh. So yeah, so we have only one mysticite, so the rice well. And after that, um, it's only like onotocyte, so um, um, to feed well. Uh, mm. Big well, 
they are, uh, yeah, most of the species have different uh, frequency range. Um, right. So we can distinguish both species uh, or group, I would say, uh, group. For example, dolphin is a group, but in the dolphin group, it's difficult to go up to the species. Huh? What does a day in this research look like for you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can explain uh, a day of my Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so a day in my life looks like, um, so when I'm doing feed work, I'm normally on the vessel, um, so okay. I'm preparing the equipment, uh, I'm uh, setting up the moorings, the instrument, and then I perform deployment and or the retrieval of the instrument. So uh, some days, uh, um, because of some bad weather, we need to do some shelter. So I have time to do some analysis, but most of the time, it's just like during the day, you prepare the equipment and do uh, re deployment and retrieval. Mm -hmm. uh, when I back from the field work, or when I'm not doing field work, I'm working on my laptop. And so I'm doing uh, acoustic analysis. Uh, I'm mainly looking at the marine mammal calls, and for that I'm using some uh, program uh, as MATLAB or R huh, to do analysis. Huh? In terms of this research, how long have you been doing it? So I started my postdoc uh, one year ago. Okay. And so it's still pretty recent, and oh, yeah. I still have uh, another year. It just oh, okay. And it took time because my, uh, as you know, my background is in pinniped uh, right. <laughs> sounds, uh, fossil sounds, and uh, now I'm working on clicks, uh, but it's very different. Uh, so instead of using, um, yeah, so it's 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 just a different approach, uh, different sounds right. that uh, I'm not used to, but uh, I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> And that's so cool that you're able to kind of specialize in one type of underwater noise and then translate that a little bit and be able to analyze another kind of sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always like to ask people if they have any kind of fun stories that they want to share. I know that we talked a little bit about up in the Arctic with the ice. Do you have any, you know, cool things that you've seen or setbacks that have maybe affected your research? that kind of thing in terms of some stories? Uh, a cool thing that I can think of, oh, I'll tell you another funny uh, story. It's uh, <laughs> uh, when I was doing the uh, acoustic drone project. Uh, so uh, as I say, we had some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, one of them was including my um, video not showing up on my remote so so it was interesting i was uh, piloting blind uh, so i was just looking at my drone and trying to figure if i was going left or right so um, going far or closer to where i was um, so we were still able to to fly so it was fine but um, i had this first issue so trying to figure how to pilot when i cannot see where i'm going uh, right uh, at the beginning, um, <laughs> and the other one was actually uh, the uh, the drone. How it um, by it just like the antenna is at the bottom. But makes sense when you fly because you want to have a remote connect 
communicate with the antenna. Right. But when you land on the water, the antenna is under the water. <laughs> and Ooh. on the fourth day, I think, when I was using the drone, I lost communication with the drone. And I'll, lucky me, Ludo was still in the air with the other drone, the video drone, so he could still see my drone. And uh, we were trying to to find one of the um, boat drivers. They have some pangas there. And so Pangalos, the boat driver, was able to take me in his boat and we were trying to find the drone. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty difficult because it was drifting and I had no idea where was the drone. And Ludovic uh, could not uh, watch anymore because the drone um, need to go back because the battery was going down. Right. So it was like, okay, and we spent, but I feel it was one hour on the water, maybe less, but um, I was so lucky because the boat driver actually saw the drone and so <gasps> we could retrieve it. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it was one of the... Um, interesting and scaring part of the field work for this one losing the drone with the hydrophone no? oh yeah yeah and that must be a pretty pricey piece of equipment yeah and it the drone i bought it but the hydrophone yeah, i borrowed it uh, to um, dr francis juanes at uvic so i was kind of i need to retrieve it <laughs> right <laughs> but, yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> And that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you learned something new and I hope to see you next week as well. Don't forget to follow on social media at Below the Tide Pod on Twitter and Instagram. There you'll find the resources as well as all the updates for every episode. On Twitter, you'll be getting a little bit more, um, more of the science content. So a lot of retweets from those specific scientists in terms of their work and what they're doing now, that kind of thing. Also, if you could hit follow wherever you listen to your podcast, that would always help. It helps you keep up to date with when I release them and it helps me keep track of where people are listening from and what you guys are enjoying. So always feel free to reach out and I will see you next Thursday.